Welcome back to A Bite of D&D, where we add flavor to your games and campaigns. This is Micah, and across the internet, as always, is Zach. How's it going, guys? And today we are going to discuss encounters, and specifically making deadly encounters. Absolutely. Zach, give me your thoughts on deadly encounters. Well, so uh, I, we... We're probably going to approach this from several angles uh, today, but my thought was is that I think that maybe I approach – everyone approaches deadly encounters in a different way or, or when we're building for them or why we would build for a deadly encounter. What's the point in creating an encounter that has the potential to quite likely kill a party member? All of these things kind of bounce around in my head and so I thought, you know what? This might be a good topic for us to chat about the idea of building something that is slated against the party. That's and, kind of my topic here. To clarify, I, I believe we're both in agreement, but it is a good thing to make deadly encounters is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. and and but But that seems weird, I think, if you just stop and ponder for a moment. The idea of saying, hey, in this game... We're going to raise the difficulty to such a point in which there is a likelihood of failure. Seems somewhat bizarre when you're playing a cooperative game. Well, and it it seems that way more especially because I'm going to follow that statement up with, I never plan to kill a character and I never plan a TPK, but I will 100% plan a deadly encounter. Yes, and that's what I want to talk – that exactly is what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about today – or I mean we can if you want to, certainly. But I don't want to talk about today the idea of like designing to kill, but rather designing with the likelihood of killing, which I think is a huge difference. And let me just start by saying this. I think that the problem that I'm trying to combat is this idea of playing D&D to tell a story. And I'm going to combat it with arguing that you should create deadly encounters to tell your story better. Well, yeah. So the, that's something I wanted to hit on is a lot of people say D&D is cooperative storytelling, which I, in many things I would say 100%. Yes, it is. But that doesn't mean that it is a story about everyone living happy lives and never having any problems and never having any hardships and never facing death. And the part yeah. part of that story is unfortunately sometimes your your characters die. What happens with the characters that don't? How do they move on from that? Do they do they go on a, a quest to bring you back? Can you be be brought back? Um, exactly. The, all of those things can help drive a story and help give your characters growth. And some people are okay with that. And some people are going to have heartbreak at losing a character. Others have built up to a moment where it's fitting to make the sacrifice play or to go out in a blaze of glory in some fashion, or even sometimes to have a very pitiable last breath. I like what you said there. Some uh, key to this discussion is the idea of build up, build up to. So that, that is how I approach campaigns in general or stories in general, adventures in general, when you're a low-level party, I would argue that if something is deadly, it should be deadly by accident. Well, Whoops, I created something. I thought it was balanced. 
and then I realize it's not, or or it is balanced, but it, the dice just fell wrong. Right. And that's that's to me kind of the excitement of low level play is that if you're level one and a wolf crits you, you could be dead. dead. Yeah. But so so I think though that at low levels and very low levels, I argue that you want to try to balance it because you're not trying to kill a level one character because it's likely to happen anyways. But as we level, as we increase in the tiers, especially once we crest over tier two and into tier three, I would argue that we need to start saying, I'm not worried about balance. In fact, I don't want it to be balanced. I want the scales to be tipped against the party consistently. And I would argue that because I think, in my mind at least, D&D is about characters playing heroes. And heroes cannot be heroes unless they're doing something heroic. And you cannot be doing something heroic if the odds are balanced or the odds are stacked into your favor. Right. It only you're... becomes heroism when you are doing something that shouldn't be possible. Right. The the David and Goliath situation. You, If you're trouncing over th- everything, why would anyone bat an eye? Yeah. If everything is the correct CR for your APL that you shouldn't get excited about winning I, at least at higher levels. And that's, that's, I, I don't know. I don't know where we'll get to as far as a resolution with, with this episode, but I just kind of wanted to throw this idea out there for, for everyone was just the idea of like, there's a point in which I wave goodbye to, to balancing at all within a scope. Typically, you know, at low levels, maybe I'm saying with it, my CR and my APL need to be, pretty balanced i need to stay within a tight range but that range gets wider and wider and by the time my characters are high tier two into tier three i i'll, I'll throw just about anything at them if it works there are certain things that certainly feel dirtier than others one of which is maybe like power word kill where yeah. they're below 100 hit points you're dead yes yes um, that's a little that's that's the the extreme it should it shouldn't be it shouldn't be on that level of things but there's probably a high tier three scenario where that would come into play well and i think there are points where it should especially if you have casters in your party who have the ability to attempt counter spells that's a big feeling when you shut something like that down and everyone kind of collectively breathes yeah. a sigh of relief i mean that's a big moment but it's that's one of the things that can make higher level casters scary. And if you're not utilizing those tools sometimes, and not everything's an app powered kill, I'm not advocating that you start putting every caster they come up against with instant death mechanics, but it should come up. And I, I would heavily kind of foreshadow something like that happening, but that's one of those things where there's not a whole lot to do about that. You, you get hit and you're, you're toast. Yeah, it's a tight – so on the flip side of this, it's a tight rope to walk because as your characters level, as your party levels, your your players are getting more and more attached to those characters. But also it's become more and more difficult to kill them and also it becomes easier and easier to bring them back from death. If what we're trying to do is create and maintain levels of tension or drama, we have to acknowledge the fact that we are dealing now with characters that have resurrection 
godlike abilities and that if we're going to maintain a level of tension, we've got to hit them with something that is a threat that they perceive as a threat, not a, oh, one of our party members might go down because they're not worried about that. Truly, honestly, they're not concerned at this point about one party member dropping. Even one party member dying isn't a big deal. You need to get it to a point where that's somewhat typical, and now we're looking at TPKs on a regular basis as a, as a possibility. It's funny you mention a tightrope, because I want to rewind a little bit and say that a single goblin can be a, a TPK encounter, because it's not yeah. just monsters and abilities that pose a threat. Some monsters are more cunning than others, maybe more shifty. And if you've got a group crossing like a a suspension bridge, a rope bridge over a chasm, a goblin kind of sauntering over with a large knife, a pair of scissors, uh, suddenly becomes a a deadly encounter. And I wouldn't have him rush over it, snip it, kill your party again. Oh, we're having a storm. The goal is not to have a TPK. And a goblin on its own is pretty easy to kill, but when it feels like it's in a situation when it, where it has all the power and you're teasing the fact that one snip of this rope could send them plummeting, suddenly they've got a real threat on their hands and it comes at the hand of a CR one quarter unassuming little creature just because of the environment. And so sometimes it's not just the monster you need to to keep in mind but it's where are they fighting at is the party at some sort of disadvantage just because of the location they're in absolutely yeah and 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 i completely agree that that maybe i've been focusing more too much on on monster cr and abilities and things like that it could definitely be environment traps anything else you throw at them the idea here is uh, uh i think and we've probably said this before but it's something that rings true every time the, the idea that players don't remember your plot, your high-concept NPCs, what they remember are what happened at the table. And they remember what they got out of or that, that crazy scenario that they made it through. They and remember moments. They remember moments, exactly. And those moments become harder and harder to make, in my experience, as you move on. You can – there's ways or, that you could help by, oh, well – you know the description of things becomes a whole lot cooler when things when your party is fighting demigods and not goblins but but the mechanics of it might feel lackluster at that point and they've been through the countless scrapes up to that point and and they've made it through um so i i really i guess i don't know much further on where to take this other than to say like it's something that i i think about on a weekly basis as i'm building the encounters is how do i make my players freak out about what they're going through and how do I keep building that? And, and what the only way that I've been able to find that is to start throwing CR out the window pretty quickly. And like you said, not just CR, but thinking of ways that raise the, the difficulty higher and higher exponentially. That's the main key is don't raise it at a steady level. You need to raise it exponentially as, as your party grows. One, the other thing, keep in mind, how many encounters are you throwing at them during a day? Uh, yeah. A pretty mild encounter can turn into a deadly one if 
they've already spent their resources. So mm-hmm. you can't just look at the CR of the creatures you're you're fighting, but also what have you already forced them to expend. If it's only going to be one encounter during the day and you want it to be dangerous, you're going to have to throw more than a balanced encounter at them anyway just because they have everything at their fingertips. There's just so much to think about uh, if you're trying to build a deadly encounter. And and as you mentioned, it can be a little bit of a tightrope that you don't overtune it because if you are throwing a horde of things at them and you're like, oh, they've got casters, they know fireball, forgetting that they don't have any more spell slots where they can utilize that. And so they may be able to kill one or two around, but there's too many and they don't have any AOE abilities left. They could easily be swarmed by otherwise fairly inconsequential uh, enemies. And that's very true. And and something else to keep in mind is that you don't know... I mean, maybe you do as as a DM, but I certainly cannot keep track of how many different abilities my players have, how many consumable magic items they have, how many permanent magic items they have, what weird things they've, they've discovered in, in the past 40 sessions. I can't keep track of all that. I don't know what's what's possible. So that's the thing that always throws encounter design out the window is not preparing enough for your party being over-prepared for everything. Now, on the flip side of that, that could be your interesting deadly encounter. Maybe you've thrown some sort of big cave troll at them, uh, Mines and Moria style. They take it out. The party's winded. And then you hear the howls of the, the goblins coming from down the halls. You don't have the ability or or maybe you have the ability, but it, it's going to be a hard fought fight because you are now low on resources. And suddenly this encounter you never would have thought twice of before has suddenly built up the tension. And if you're going to use a lower CR enemy like that, I would definitely play up the weird factor, play into the the horde mentality that some of these swarming creatures can have as they play off of each other's like emotions and stuff, as they prey off the fear of the group, uh, and kind of try to ham that side of it up. Because uh, mm-hmm. if it is just they pop up, you fight them. And and I this I mean this episode is going to be a bit of a mess as we're bouncing around, but that's okay. I'm having I'm enjoying it. You you mentioned Moria, and I think that there's a perfect there's two perfect examples of this right there for this high level party, high level wizard, high level fighters. You know, all throughout. You know, you have you have the tomb fight, which is hordes, like you said, and a and a troll, and they they fend off the wave, and that should be it. Except it's not, and they they're thrown an even higher level thing, a Balrog, right afterwards. And it's how do they get out of that situation? If if you as a viewer, if if, if they fought that cave troll, they fought those goblins, and then they just ran out the back door and were into the mountain, you'd be like, oh, well, that was doable. It was possible. They had a choke point. They were small goblins for the most part. Once they kill the troll, it's all home free. The fact that they raise that level and they say, now you have to fight this right after with depleted resources on a, on a, on a terrain that is not to your favor heightens the risk to over to the point of where we think it's achievable. And that's what gets the when – they, when they maneuver their way past that and they lose a party member but they manage to get out, we feel something there. And – I think that our player, as players, your players will always lose the tension 
first. Your party members, your 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 party, your NPCs, your PCs, they will always maintain a level of tension longer than your par- than your players will at the table. Uh, the players can fake that their 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 characters in the game are terrified or whatever, but if the player doesn't actually get concerned about the encounter, you really haven't done what needed to be done there. Right. Well, you you touched on it there at the end, but that's the other thing I want to drive home is ultimately their party moved forward and grew because Gandalf was gone. Yeah. And sometimes losing a party member as much as it sucks, as much as it hurts, is what helps propel your party to kind of that next level what allows them to move forward in a meaningful way because Mm -hmm. if gandalf was there to point them in the right direction the whole time it wouldn't have been an enjoyable set of books it wouldn't have been enjoyable set of movies um part of what they had to face was the splitting of the company and exactly the the loss they felt uh at his fall Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think that's that's a good that's a good way of wrapping it the person who dies, the meaningful death, shouldn't always be an NPC. And uh, the most weight you can give it is when it's a PC and it feels natural and it feels epic and it feels like it has a weight and a meaning that they get to carry forward. All of those things are part of, like I said, I'm going to argue that storytelling is the reason for this. All of those things are perfect reasons why the best story are often the best fantasy stories are often deadly and they have deadly elements and 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 the threat of a hard stop is always imminent. One, well, let's spin that one last time because again, it's not about trying to kill your party, right? Let's say right. the the fellowship decided to take their stand on the bridge against the Balrog and somehow pulled it off. They killed this thing. Nobody dies. That feeling alone for your players should be ecstatic. They were obviously not supposed to deal with that, whether it be the dice, whether it be their own cunning, them taking that down and they prevail is an equal high. Uh, Well, losing someone isn't really a high, but, you know, you know, you get that same the, the, the same level of feeling in an opposite direction from the loss. Right. Um, Instead of that crushing defeat that forces you to change. That's a huge moment of, of victory. Um, and maybe their their names get carried across the land. Maybe that unlocks more potential for growth and things as more people seek them out. Uh, maybe they claim to have accomplished more than they can really handle, and they know it was all a, a matter of luck. But now they've got kings or or higher officials sending them on missions that they have no business dealing with. And how do they deal with the the fallout from that? But that can also propel your game forward in a meaningful way. But the point is that death was on the table at all yep exactly i love it that's exactly what i wanted to get across i don't know if it makes sense to you folks out there in the in the wilds uh, but hopefully you can take our ramblings and pull something from it that that you can carry with you into your games mainly what i'm encouraging you just to wrap it up on mine mainly what i'm encouraging you to do is once you reach a point of saying my party is powerful say okay I need to stop looking at CR and balance and using those words. I need to start saying what's going to bring the tension, what's going to bring the drama, what's going to be memorable. Uh, Because I think those two, those two paths diverge at some point. 
Yes, I agree. I think that's all I have to say today. Um, anything else you want to close us out with? Just that I have been almost radio silent on Twitter lately. I apologize. I haven't had any exciting news. We've missed a couple of weeks just because we've got crazy schedules of our own. Um, starting to do some more painting. Um, so I, every once in a while, I'll post some stuff on Twitter, post some pictures of things I'm working on. If you want to follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, we are at a bite of D&D. If we can get our own schedules under control, we'll get back to uh, trying to sync up with other people's schedules and get more guests on the show. That is our, our ultimate goal. But right now it's been a struggle just to get our, ourselves on. We've got some other stuff. I know Zach's working on some things in the background. That's maybe something to notate. Real quick, if you guys uh, are so interested, my first adventure is up on the DMs Guild. If you look up the Razor's Edge, Razor's Edge, you can give it a download. If you message me, PM me as a listener to the show, maybe I'll send you a free download. But love to hear your thoughts on that. Also, if you haven't checked them out, uh, Zach recently put up an article for our friends at Dumpstad Adventures. You can find that on their website. Give them a listen. Uh, we like those guys quite a bit. They've been they've been good friends to us, uh, and they're definitely doing a lot of outreach on their own and promoting other people. They deserve some attention sent their way as well. Absolutely, and they've got an adventure up to a second adventure, so definitely check that out. They they write good stuff. So. I think that's it for me. Until next week, we will talk to y'all later. All right. Catch you later, guys. Mm-hmm.